Hi, welcome back, everybody. We're going to do a little uh, different episode here because your boy's out of town. Um, and it's going to be like a shorter a shorter NBA deep dive uh, focused heavily on the trade deadline and what that kind of means for teams looking forward. Yeah, we've had a, a wild trade deadline here. Um, just trying to get all these trades like written down in my note sheet took me damn near 20 minutes just from the sheer volume and I didn't even you know put in the the lower tier level guys yeah. but we got all the big ones <clears throat> yeah um you want to start with with the big one no no let's let's go let's go chronologically let's not skip let's, let's past build okay all right all right so let's we'll start back in in January 23rd we didn't talk about this just trade too much uh but the Lakers got Rui Hachimura from from the Wizards and they sent off Kendrick Nunn at two second round picks uh, Hachimura is like, he's an all right guy. He's a role player. He'll put good minutes on for the Lakers, but I think they were just kind of trying to get some depth. You know, they've been struggling with depth all season, given that they are like sort of a super team that just loses a lot of games. Yeah. But, uh, they picked up some depth, some depth to hopefully, you know, win them a few more games, get into the playoff spot. Yeah. Then we did talk about this on the weekly update episode, so we won't get into too far of this, but uh, we had the Kyrie going to the the Mavs, along with Markeith yeah. Morris, and then the Nets picked up uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith. Yeah. And actually, just last night, they, they had their first game. I believe they did end up losing. They played the Sun? Sorry, I think the Bulls? They played the Bulls last night, and... Uh, yeah, they lost that game. No, sorry, they won that no, game. No, they won. They won. 115-105. And uh, we saw, you know, Dinwiddie put up a nice little 25 points. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, 9 points, 9 boards. You know, Cam Thomas, guy's been going absolutely crazy. Broke that record for three consecutive 40-point games. Youngest player to ever do it. He put up that 20. Cool. But, dude, I really like how the Nets handled this, like trade deadline i think they really won this trade deadline given that with the team that they had coming into the deadline they were not winning a chip in my opinion like even kd Kyrie, everyone healthy everyone happy i don't think they were winning a chip and they pulled off what i could consider like i don't think it's so much of a rebuild because they they have like they have a good team they had the good team this year and they're one of the top spots in the east but they pulled off such a fast rebuild in terms of like switching around their team, and they have a ton of picks now too. Yeah. All right, so so they got a first rounder for twenty twenty nine from the Mavs, and then two second rounders in twenty seven and twenty nine, and then we'll move on to uh, another tr- another trade that happened on Thursday yesterday, being the trade deadline. Uh, so we'll go over this first one. It's a little complicated. And it's a three-teamer yep. between the Lakers, the Timberwolves, and the Jazz. <clears throat> so, on the Lakers' side, they received D'Angelo Russell. He's coming back to L.A. Jared Vanderbilt and Malik Beasley. And I'm I'm excited to see D'Angelo Russell back. I mean, this Lakers team has had Russell Westbrook coming off the bench all year. But a starting point guard in Pat Bev is not really what you want to see from a team who's looking to be making a playoff push. But D'Angelo Russell, you know, he's had a great year on Minnesota. Yeah. And then on the the Timberwolves for this trade, received uh, Mike Conley, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and three second-round picks. Honestly, I think they got fleeced a little bit, giving up D'Angelo Russell for virtually nothing. Mike Conley's all right, but I've always thought he was kind of bad. Yeah, feels like they should have tried to uh, push for a first round pick in there somewhere. Would have made that a little bit sweeter for them. Oh, I I completely agree. Had had you get a first round pick, I think that's that's what you want from giving up D'Angelo. Yeah, and and then Utah actually pick up Russell Westbrook and a twenty twenty seven first round pick that's that's protected from the Lakers. Uh, but I think the Lakers will be fine in twenty twenty seven. Yeah, I don't think that's a big deal. Um. So Utah received Russell Westbrook, two other guys who are kind of bums, uh, Juan Toscano and Damian Jones, and then a 2027 first-round pick. What do you think about Russ going to the Utah Jazz? 
it's it's a bit like I mean Russell's been been all right. He's been um yeah, like you said, a good like bench player for the Lakers, but I think in most um organizations, like I feel like you would want to be looping him into like I feel like it's he just takes up the wrong kind of role in in, in uh Los Angeles. Um and like it just made sense for him to not try to like crowd the court, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but you know, on the Jazz, um, potentially a little bit more of an opportunity to a start, but also be just like playmake a little bit more. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that it was. I, I don't think he was playing a big enough piece on the Lakers. I think it makes sense from a Lakers perspective, absolutely, um, to try to, to try to pick some stuff up for that. Um, I think they they did like you know they got D'Angelo Russell. Um, I think even like Malik Beasley, good role player, um, a little bit more depth. Like, I, I like that from the Lakers' perspective. From the Jazz' perspective, of course, it's always like, does, is, is Russell Westbrook, he's a big enough piece that it's important that he fit into the system yeah. well. Um, and then that's always a bit of a gamble. Uh, but I do think that in terms of uh, like the, the superpower capability of the Jazz, like Russell Westbrook fits better. Do you know what I mean? You know what I'm trying to say? I think so. Like, in my opinion, Russell Westbrook was the high, the top contender for sixth man of the year this year when he was on the yeah. Lakers, and yeah. he's been having a great time in the Lakers. And with no like sheer star talent on this Utah Jazz team, they got great depth. They got Jordan Clarkson. They got Laurie Markkinen with great depth and some some great guys who he can play around. I would love to see Russell Westbrook kind of pick up from those those good games that he had had as a six man playing with not other superstar guys on the Lakers take that to a starting role in Utah and then I know Utah just slipped out of the playoff spot but I'd like to see them get back into the playoff tournament and I think this team could be very good if we saw Russell you know stay unselfish and then yeah. contribute on multiple levels being his rebounding, his playmaking, attacking the basket as he can, and then kicking out to a guy like Jordan Clarkson, a guy like Colin Sexton, a guy like Laurie Markkinen. I think that they this team could look really dangerous going forwards, especially with all the picks they got for Rudy Gobert uh, over this this past summer. Yeah. And I, I like I really like this team. Yeah. No, I agree. I think uh, like they have the potential to be quite good. I think that that's the big question is can they make a push for the for the play-in tournament or just even a playoff spot? Um, because I think they can make a very difficult matchup for it for anybody. Um, but of course, they have to get there, and there's always a transition process. Anytime you add a, a key piece like that, um, and so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what that looks like and how how long that might take because it does generally take time. I agree. I agree. So let's uh let's keep moving on here. I got uh Josh Hart is moving over to the Knicks. I'm very happy to see that. He's been solid for the Trailblazers all season, and I think the Knicks need a little bit more consistency on their roster. And yeah. for Josh Hart, the Trailblazers received Cam Reddish, uh a couple other guys who I, I didn't even recognize the names of, and a 2023 first round pick that is lottery protected. From the, from the Knicks, and I think that the Knicks will be fine. They'll be in the playoffs, so they won't have to worry about you know getting a lottery pick, which means sure. that, uh, or, or I guess that's that's good for the Trailblazers because if the Knicks are in the uh, in the lottery, then they won't get to keep that pick. But you know, Cam Reddish was a top recruit coming out of high school. He was compared with Zion, compared with R.J. Barrett and then hasn't really panned out. But I think he still has some potential in him because he's still young, and he's been a role player for the Knicks. But I really like this trade from the Knicks, you know? They've been kind of middle of the group for the past few seasons, and now they're looking to pick up another guy who's known to put up, you know, 15 to 20 points when he's given the opportunity. And that's good for, for someone to replace, not, not necessarily a place, but, like, be a backup for someone like R.J. Barrett who has really struggled with the consistency of his jump shot. Yeah, I think, like, 
from the Trailblazers' perspective, you're not um, – and correct me if I'm wrong, they're not, like, in a playoff contention spot even, right? Or uh, are they kind of mid? They're they're just below – they just got into the play-in tournament, so they are ranked 10th in the uh, okay. in the West right now. So they are competing. Um, but, yeah, I would say, like, this isn't an all-in year for them by any stretch. No. Uh, this isn't, you know, they're if they make the playoffs, that's great. If they don't make the playoffs, I don't think anyone is thinking like, ah, oh, no, we've missed our opportunity. Um, getting a young guy like that uh, with the opportunity with where they are to develop that talent in, in a sort of a low-pressure environment, um, and especially in, in Portland where, like, like I, just by nature of, of it being Portland and not, you know, New York, um there's a lot less pressure like the Knicks always kind of have that especially since they haven't been good for a while like yeah I agree you know they, they, it it kind of it doesn't feel like a win now mentality but it feels like you better win soon kind of thing you know yeah. and getting out of that environment I think can only be good for a guy that is is trying to develop a little bit more yeah and and along that same lines they also got a a 2023 first round pick so they'll have another young guy for Josh Hart and yeah, I really like the development on this team. You got Anthony Simons, who's one of the best young guys that we have in in the league. You know, he's we've seen him put up thirty on multiple occasions. He's being hidden. He's he's playing under the shadow of Dame. But you know, they got Jeremy Grant. They got Anthony Simons. Yusuf Nurkic has also been good when he's healthy. He hasn't been healthy too much this season. I would almost like for over this coming summer to see the Trailblazers unload Damian Lillard. One, because I would like to see Damian Lillard succeed. He's been very loyal to this Portland franchise, and I yep. think he deserves to have a winning season, have a deep playoff push. I think many people would love to see it. He's a great point guard who's known to put in, put he just puts up buckets. Yeah. And I'd love to see him have a, a more enjoyable season with a better team. I think that Portland could see themselves in, in a very quick rebuild and a very strong rebuild if they unloaded Damien for the right price, especially given these two uh, new assets that they picked up. I agree, but I also think it's a mentality thing for Portland, right? I mean, we're talking about, you know, and I'm, now I'm looking at the standings again. We're talking about this very, very, very tight uh, Western Conference. Um, we, we have teams in here that are saying that they're going for, you know, a bit of an all-in. Um, you know, obviously, like, the Lakers, I wouldn't say trading away Russ going at like an all-in, but they absolutely feel like they should be winning now, like yeah. before, um, before, oh my God, completely lost my train of thought, um, before LeBron gets too old, right? Like they're trying to say like, they, they want more titles for yeah. him. Yeah. Um, and they're kind of, they're kind of locked in, in that sense. Um, and they're and they're below Portland in the standings right now. Like if Portland can make playoffs, I don't think that they even need to go for a full rebuild, right? Like if Dame starts to see the potential kind of blossoming blossoming around him, um, and and he's willing to you know wait even a couple more years um, to let that talent develop even more, like they could be really good, right? Um, and and I, I don't you know I, I, then it's it's a it's a question of like what he's thinking. And I, you know, yeah, like you said, he's been very loyal to Portland. He might be feeling like, all right, enough's enough. Um, if that talent doesn't develop, you know, if Reddish continues to kind of just be the player that he's been, if those picks don't turn out into, uh, you know, really solid players, then then absolutely, like trade him away. But I feel like they have time. Yeah, you know, like I mean, even now, like they're, they're even playing in the playoffs. Like yes, Dame wants to win, but does he see enough potential to win? you know, in, in Portland going forward, I guess. Oh, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's Dame who wants to leave. I think Dame is very loyal to Portland. I just, as, as a franchise, uh, from like, from Portland's perspective, I'd like to, I'd like to think one, I don't think they're going to win with Dame. I don't think they have enough assets with Dame to, to win. Dame's 32. He's been there for his entire career and they've made a couple playoff pushes, but even with the best teams that they had with CJ McCollum, with Nurkic, with uh, LaMarcus Aldridge back in the day. They were mm -hmm. never able to to make those deep playoff runs, and they've just never been able to get them around. And I think that, honestly, as a club, as an organization, they need to show Dame some respect and move him somewhere where he can have have a, a good opportunity to get himself a ring. And not, not again, not saying that he wants to leave, but you got to give a guy who you've 
personally failed to to help a chance to succeed. Yeah, that's fair. All right, let's get past... Uh, actually, let's not skip over quickly. We talked about the Lakers a little bit. LeBron yeah. James. The, yeah. the number one all-time scorer in the NBA. Look, there is... There is some questionable voodoo going on. I don't know. Like, I don't, I'm not sure that I fully appreciated how, how this keeps happening. How people are not calling him the GOAT. Like, even before this, you know, it, it's, it's statistically true. It is, like, I, I would say anecdotally true. Um, you know, you get guys saying, oh, you know, like Jordan, is, is, like people who watch Jordan love said Jordan was the go. Like it's yeah. kind of like, you know, he was just, he was just the, the magic. He was like, you know, the most talented player, but LeBron has broken every record. He, you know, has won championships with three different teams. Um, he has been just an absolute wrecking ball of a scorer. Um, you know, he, he has topped the league in assists. Uh, he grabs boards like he 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 just he is the play. It's kind of like what he said right in the interview. He's like, I don't think I would pick anybody over me. I don't think anyone in their right mind should pick anybody over him. No, no. And yet there are still so many people who refuse to say that he's the goat. Like, what the fuck's wrong with Charles Barkley? Put him on seventh on his list of all-time great players. What? Yeah, I, I that's like that's who the wild. fuck does Charles Barkley think he is? That's that's wild. I mean, I'm sure Charles put himself up pretty high, and he was definitely a good player back in his day. But uh, no, I I think LeBron James now stands alone. He is the top of the scoring chart. And my 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 argument always is because I'm a big LeBron is the goat guy. I'm not a huge LeBron fan in general, but I always say LeBron is the goat. And yeah. it's not so much that I want to compare LeBron to MJ in their prime. I'm not going to try and do that. I wasn't around to watch MJ play. But what I can say is that the longevity of LeBron's greatness has vastly outweighed the longevity of MJ's greatness. MJ might have more rings. He might have gone to the finals and been like that clutch guy more times. But you can't you can't tell me that 38 LeBron 38-year-old LeBron James who's putting up 38 points in a game to make himself the number one all-time scorer is is not the greatest player of all time. Because he goes into that game, he needed 36 points to beat Kareem's record. Yeah. And, like, I think it just shows how dominant he is that that given night he was like, okay, I need 36. Sure, let me put up 38. It almost makes me feel like he's still just toying with people because he's had his fun in the NBA. And on any given night, he could go out there and put up 40. He needed 36, he got 38. I feel like if yeah. he needed 36 every night, he'd go out and put up 38 to 40. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Like, it's not that he can't do it. It's that he is getting older, and the occasions that he needs to do it don't come or, or haven't don't come in the regular season. Like, he, he's not thinking every night, okay, I need to put up these many points I need to do And that's not a mentality thing. That's not like an I don't want to win thing. That's a, like, if he does that every night, he won't be able to, do you know what I mean? Like he, like, I think that that can be really physically taxing at his age. I think that maybe is the, he's getting older thing. But again, if you come into the playoffs and he says, we need to win this game, they might just win this game. I, you know, especially against like, you know, lesser defenses. Um, yeah. It's just, it's it, you kind of always something that we've known about LeBron is just his, his pure force of will is unmatchable. He, you know, spoke in a post-game interview uh, about whether, you know, he, they were like, oh, like, you finally got it done tonight. Like, what were you thinking about? He was like, that I didn't want to get another, like, I didn't want to put my boys up in another hotel room in another city for another night. Like, I'll just get it done tonight and get it done here. And then he just does. And that's just, that's LeBron. Yeah, I, that's, I think, since episode one, back at the beginning of January, we've been saying I'd love to see this Lakers team in the play-in tournament. And I think this is why. And I think it's we we want to see LeBron play playoff basketball. We want to see AD play playoff basketball. Now D'Lo play playoff basketball again. And yeah. and when when the pressure is really on and they are going to go 100%, and I think it would be very exciting. And I, I would love to see a legacy run from this Lakers team in what what I will 
sparingly say is going to be one of LeBron's last seasons. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, like going back to what you said before, like LeBron has more finals appearances, 10 to Michael Jordan's six. Um, he, he went to eight consecutive NBA finals. That's wild. With, with various teams. Um, I don't, I, I, you know, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I saw TikTok recently that that was, that was breaking it down statistically. I was saying LeBron has has more clutch points, got more playoff points, got more points in the final minutes of playoff games. Uh, he has like more buzzer beater shots than Jordan. Like he he, if you actually break it down and look at the stats, there are very few that LeBron is not better than than Michael Jordan in. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I, it just seems like a bit ridiculous to me that that it's even still a debate. Um, and not even that it's still just a debate because sure debate but the the fact that he gets disrespected this often like it put that far down list um you know that people are saying oh you know it's like he wouldn't survive another era like like screw that this guy has put in his blood sweat and tears his entire life into becoming the best he is the best let's just acknowledge that he's the best i mean let's like let's be let's be really honest if we put him back into that like 90s era pistons bad boy basketball and they're saying he wouldn't survive in that era like, look at LeBron. He's one of the biggest dudes on the he's court. Huge. Like, dude. if you give him, if, if you put him back in a little bit more retro basketball where they're a little bit more physical, that's not stopping him. If only it's helping no, him because that he just, just means that he gets more physical. Yeah, I agree. It's like putting Zion back there. I mean, Zion's definitely yeah. bigger than LeBron, but like, it, he's he's still a big guy. He's st- he's as big as any of them back then, and I think he'd be the same wrecking force that he would have been. But, uh, Let's let's move on from LeBron. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the next trade I have here on the note pad is uh, the Raptors pick up J- Jacob Podol, and yep. for uh, for Kem Birch, a 2024 protected first round pick, and two second round picks. I'm really happy about this. You know, I I've never been a huge Raps fan, but obviously being from from Ontario and Canada, I I would like to see the Raps go far i loved it when they won their last chip went out to jurassic park a few times it was a legendary experience and they've been struggling with having a solid big man all year uh coloco has been good for them but he's still really young and and podal's been sitting over there being like kind of sneaky good on the spurs for the past few seasons yeah no i absolutely agree i think like what they're giving up is is um nothing incredibly major uh, the like couple of second round picks they might hurt, but the Raptors are you know well known for the development of younger guys. They have a lot of young guys already. Um, that first round pick, you know, again, you're gonna have to give something up for a good player. Um, having it sooner rather than later, I think, is actually good. Again, for their reasons, they have a lot of young players already. Um, they have a lot of talent that they can work on developing. Adding one more guy. Um, that based on where they are in the standings is probably not going to be a game breaker, right? It's not going to be like Victor. So like that's not, that doesn't feel like a big deal to me. Um, giving up Ken Birch again, like he's been okay, um, but not a breakout star. Um, his, his, he, he hasn't played as important a role as, as Podal will. And so that feels like a fine trade as well. And yeah, I think that like adding a big man, um, getting outside of the statistics of it, like, you know, having that presence is always important. We've seen um, the Raptors try to try to break that mold, and it's worked a little bit in certain games, um, but we've seen teams start to abuse it a lot more. Um, you know, specific players uh, like Joel and B, those kind of guys can really start to abuse the Raptors for not having that big man. Yeah. Um, and I think Portal, yeah, has been sneaky good. Uh, you know, he's not a huge point getter, um, but he's averaging over 10 points a game, so that never hurts. Um, but you know, past that, he's putting up more than one. He's averaging more than one block a game. Um, he's grabbing boards. Uh, you know, and and again, past the statistics, he's getting physical. Uh, I think this is a solid trade. I would like that. You know, this this is um, a bit of a a rent a player deal, right? Like Potal is at the end of his contract uh, by the end of the season, and I'd like to see the Raptors resign. I think if they don't, this is much worse trade, but. I uh, I don't I don't necessarily see if he fits in well I don't necessarily see why they wouldn't be able to resign him so 
Now, let like me, small angles. It's a solid let me trade. just tell you what this what this Raptors lineup is now looking like with the addition of Potal. So you start starting at point guard. You got Fred Van Fleet. As shooting guard, you got OG Ananobi. Small forward Scotty Barnes. Pascal can move down from the five to the power forward position, and you slide in Potal at the five. That yeah. gives you coming off the bench, Gary Trent Jr., Precious Precious Achua, and Coloco. Yeah. That's a that's a very good eight man roster that you have right there. That if 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 I gotta be completely honest, I think can can compete for a deep playoff run, especially now that the East is looking a little bit weaker with the loss of the Brooklyn Nets super team. I agree. And, and you're even disrespecting my boy Chris Boucher, who's been putting up minutes as well. That's so true. Um, but just, just a lot of depth there, right? Like, it's you have a lot of options. Like, this has always been the Raptors' strength, is you have so many options to throw at teams. Um, you have so much depth scoring, so many different uh, talents, but they're all very cohesive, right? Like, that's always been the Raptors' strategy. Adding one guy that can just disrupt play, um, that can take those really tough physical assignments, um, and, and do it better just because he's a bigger guy is, is yeah, is really important. And I like it. I like it. And I think that the addition of Podol specifically means that Fred Van Fleet, who I would say is the Raptors' best scorer, can stay on the court a little bit longer because as a defensive liability just due to his height, now is a little bit less impacted because you have Podol who can kind of lock down the paint a little bit more. And, yeah. and Pascal and Coloco and Boucher have all been doing a great job throughout this season, but none of them are, like, I don't think any of them are over six foot eleven. None of them have that physical presence. Like, if you ever see Coloco, he's a really skinny guy. Pascal, he's a really skinny guy. Yep. If, if, someone, gets, even, yeah. if someone gets inside position on them, which they can, if they, one of these guys goes up to help, then they can't really get back into the right spot to play good defense. Whereas someone like Podol, who is more of a traditional larger big man type role can step up for the help or you could see someone like Pascal step up to help now and not have to come back and guard a big man but then slide out and guard like a perimeter guy or Poto step up to help and then come back in and regain his position against another big man who can now like not just seal him off and then get a guaranteed rebound or an easy dunk yeah yeah, and uh, like we all know, um, like Freddie loves to chase. Like he's not, uh, you know, a slouch on defense. He's just he's just smaller, um, and so having a, a big guy like that, where it just takes the onus off Van Vliet to try to get back into like a matchup that will suit him. Like if they if they end up kind of try to switching and he ends up against a guy like Joel Embiid, like that's disastrous. I think having this extra like much bigger guy is gonna prevent some of that. Um, which is great. And yeah, again, like friendly, he'll run, he'll make up the ground uh, to get to a better matchup, but you just don't want that bad switch. Yeah. All right. Let's keep, let's keep moving here. The next yeah. one is the big one. The big one. All right. So the Brooklyn Nets got rid of Kevin Durant. They also got rid of TJ Warren, but mostly Kevin Durant. And uh, <laughs> for Kevin Durant, they got, the the holy grail they got the kitchen sink and the rest of the house along with it they got mikhail bridges who has been really good this season in devon like in the all the injuries that the sons have had mikhail bridges has been the, the the only person keeping them hanging on to a playoff spot and dude i love this nets team if like i want to make sure that they look all right because I think that they must have some kind of front office things, given what some of these players who have left the Nets have been saying, how they couldn't yep. make James Harden, Kyrie, and KD work. Um, yep. I think that they might have some front office issues. But if if we can see this team be like even just all right and not have any front office issues, I'm going to be a huge Nets fan um, going to the end of this season. Because they picked up Mikhail Bridges. They picked up Cam Johnson, who has been like off the off the roster for a lot of this year due to injury, but really good on the Suns when he has been. And they also got Jay Crowder, who's been off the entire season. That doesn't matter. They ended up flipping Jay Crowder. But this isn't even where the trade gets good. Mikhail Bridges, great asset. Cam Johnson, good role player. This is where the trade gets good. They got four unprotected first-round picks. Yep. A 2023, a 2025, a 2027, and a 2029. 
as well as a 2028 pick swap, which if you don't know what that is, is essentially um, between the Suns and the Nets in 2028, whoever has the better pick, the Nets will get. And they'll just give them, yeah. give the Suns the worst pick. Yeah, this is like this is this is. I mean, we saw this. We were like, "What the fuck?" And and I, honestly, I'm astonished with like what I've been reading. That most people seem to think that this is a good trade. I'm inclined to agree, Phoenix. I'm inclined to agree. I I think this is definitely a win-win trade. I think Phoenix is looking to win now, uh, with sure? the retirement of Chris Paul coming coming up, and you know, I I know that Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton like being in Phoenix. They've been playing well together, but you never know what they're, they're going to do. I think while you still have both of them there and you've made a couple playoff pushes, that it's great to to try and seal the deal and if not, show them that there is a championship on the horizon. And and I think that the Suns, with the lineup that they now have, with the addition of KD, obviously being a huge step up from Mikael Bridges, makes them a title contender. I agree. Um, I, I, I'm never saying that the Phoenix Suns are not a title contender. Obviously, they are on paper the best team in the league, arguably right now. Um, I just I think that the the window is is real small. Yes. Um, I you know we could argue that that even without Chris Paul, this team is still dominant. Yeah. Uh, and I think that could be true. But we can't ignore the fact that KD is injury prone. Uh, you know, the reason that the Nets got him when they did was him coming off of a, a devastating Achilles injury that had him out for like, I think it was like two years or like a year and a half. Yeah. Uh, and it was a bit of a gamble, right? Kind of worked out. He's been phenomenal. Uh, but he has also missed like, I think it was like a third of their games since he's been there. He's only played like two thirds of, of his season. But well, that's when it comes um, back to that front office thing though. I, maybe a little bit, but th- these are also they've been like nagging injuries, right? He's had knee problems. Um, he he he's just like not super consistent. So so maybe that'll change with the Suns. Uh, but but even aside from that, if we're talking about contracts, they only have a couple of years before they have to potentially resign, which could be potentially extremely expensive, um, and and maybe not desirable depending on how KD looks in a couple of years from now. And so that gives me this window of between this season where, um, you know, they're, they're sixth in the Western Conference right now. Obviously, they still have a lot of season to play. They can get themselves into a comfortable playoff position, but it does take time for these guys to adjust. So what that looks like, you don't know. But this season, next season, maybe one more season after that. So potentially three runs at it, in my opinion. And that feels like a tight window anything can happen in the playoffs unless this team is just gross, like just blowing teams out of the water in the playoffs, which I don't think they will. Like, I think that they can win, but I don't think it's going to be like not close. I, I, I just, I feel like it's such a narrow window for them to give up potentially the next tier, 10 years of their franchise. Right. Like, I don't know. I, it, it feels like they absolutely have the potential to win. Now they could back to back to back, you know, like perfectly, I would say that it's like it's a pretty, you know, reasonable thing to say that they could back back to back. Um, but it it feels to me like they have to win at least one, if not at least two, championships to make this worth it. They just give up so much. Yeah, I. The thing about the Phoenix Suns is they've never won a chip, and I think that they I think they have a really good chance, and I think like you said that they could. They, they do definitely have the potential if this team clicks to, you know, back-to-back. I I don't see another team who who's really competing with them at this point. I think this Phoenix Suns team has been really good, and I think that they, while they gave up a lot of picks, did not give up nearly as much as they gained that would be, like, currently on the court. And what they've lacked a lot, I know Devin Booker's a great scorer, but he's not so much of a, like, he's no, he's definitely not Kevin Durant when it comes to scoring the basketball. Yeah. And to now have Devin Booker, who is one of the best scorers in the NBA, as your secondary option, meaning that the other team has to figure out not only someone to guard Kevin Durant, 
but someone to ha- guard Devin Booker as well, while you also have Chris Paul playmaking, I think this team has too many options. And that's that's r- rounded out all by DeAndre Ayton, who can easily put up 20 points in a night while keeping everything on the defensive end in the paint locked down, getting all the defensive rebounds you need. I don't know. I really like this team. I think I think this is a win-win. I think the Suns... Now I, I'm not gonna say that they're my my championship team this year. I don't think I I don't think I've I can't say that before I've seen them. Yeah, but I think they definitely came out of this trade happy with Kevin Durant for what they gave up for him, and I would not be disappointed at all if I was the Nets. Yeah, I think I'd be happy with as the Phoenix. If I was a Phoenix Sun fan, I'd be I'd be saying absolutely, let's go, let's win. But uh, yeah. I don't know. I just I have a lot of like my the realist in me has a lot of worries about what could potentially go wrong, and if anything goes wrong, it could be potentially devastating, and and that that's all that worries me. I agree. There's no backup plan. There's no backup plan, and maybe that's what you have to do, right? But still, yeah. I mean, you're in the Western Conference. It's it's been seriously competitive, and I honestly think without this without this move, that they wouldn't have been making it past the first round. Yeah. That I can agree with. All right. Now, uh, that was definitely the, the big the big piece, but let's move on again. So we saw a little three-way trade. Now, some of this doesn't entirely make sense, but uh, we saw the Bucks pick up Jay Crowder. So like I said, the, the, the Nets flipped Jay Crowder for, yeah. for five second-round picks. And, yeah. and then the Pacers also just received Jordan Nwara, Serge Ibaka, two second round picks and and George Hill. I'm not too sure what what they gave up for that. I think they were just picking up contracts. I think the Bucks were getting rid of people. Yeah, as far as I could tell, um it it looked like the net gave up some the uh, some of the five picks that they got from Milwaukee went over to the Pacers as well as some cash. Um, and I, yeah, I want to say that that was, that was, they're just picking up contracts there. Uh, it doesn't look like the Pacers gave anything up other than, yeah, potentially just, just, just money. Um, I don't really know like why, uh, yeah, this doesn't really make sense to me either. Just that like, it looks like it's sort of a cross between Milwaukee and Brooklyn that, that are looking to gain something from the Pacers. And I don't know what, having, having gave, given up all of their, like, you know, great talent i don't know what brooklyn is getting from the pacers other than yeah potentially like some contracts they don't have a lot of big contracts now though it's the only thing i don't know all right well, the pacers got involved in there but they, they picked up some things um the bucks obviously receiving jay crowder you want to talk about that for a little bit i mean jay crowder like when the suns made their playoff push i really like jay crowder he's good he can shoot the three mm-hmm. uh he he can rebound the basketball. He's just another. He's a role player. He's like an eighth guy off the bench, and maybe that's what the Bucks need. You know, they have their star talent in Giannis, in Drew Holiday, in Brook Lopez, uh, and maybe that's what they need. They need someone to come in off the bench, provide a shooting presence for for Giannis to kick and dish to. But he's been he's been out for I think the entire season. Honestly, them them picking up Jay Crowder doesn't making a lot of sense to me. But uh, if they think that's what they need to to go to the championship and win, then then so be it. Yeah, I, that that does feel like a win now mentality. Um, the Bucks have been surging right now. Uh, I don't. Yeah, it it feels like something that could not work out, but also definitely could. That's a bit of a gamble. I five second round picks feel steep. Um. But you know, for the for the potential of of winning a title, like just adding one more piece to win a title, is potentially worth it. I don't know. It feels kind of like ridiculous to say because it's just like common sense. But like, if if it works out, it works out, and if it doesn't, it doesn't, and you just have to find out, right? Like, it's just it's a gamble. I honestly think that it will be all right so long as we see Jay Crowder get on the court. Uh, I think that's that's where you can you can say whether this was a was a solid trade for them or not because. We still haven't seen them seen him get on the court yet this season, so. All right, let's let's just keep. I'll just kind of fire off some of these smaller ones. So the Nuggets picked up Thomas Bryant uh, from the Lakers for De- Devin Reed, 
and three second-round picks. I like Thomas Bryant. He's been solid for the Lakers. Uh, I like the Nugs picking him up as a backup center. The Trailblazers picked up Matisse Tybule, who has been a good defensive presence for the 76ers, and it hasn't played too much this season, but I, I'm happy to see the Trailblazers pick up another another uh, solid young guy. Uh, like we said, the Pacers got George Hill. This one doesn't make any sense to me. We will go over this one for a little bit. So, so Bones Highland, I don't know if, you, if you've heard of him. He's been a solid bench guy for the Nuggets this season. And he can shoot, and he's very quick. But they sent him to the Clippers uh, for two second-round picks. And you said you haven't heard of Bones Highland. And he's been like on and off with a little bit of injury this season. Not terrible. But, you know, he's been putting up solid minutes for, for a Nuggets team. And, like, they've been winning a lot of games. I don't know why they're messing around with, with getting rid of one of their role-playing guys for virtually nothing in two second-round picks. But uh, I guess that's the way that they went. Mine says that this was a four-team trade uh, and that they picked up Thomas Bryant. I don't know if, I don't know who that is, but... Yeah, they got him from uh, from the Lakers. Yeah. For yeah, there was some switching around here. The Lakers sent Patrick Beverly right to the Magic. Yeah, so Lakers did send Pat Bev to the Magic for Mo Bamba. Mo Bamba, and I like this move from the Lakers a lot. You know, they picked up a start a new starting point guard from Indilo, and Pat Bev, while the toughest guy on the court always, I say that sarcastically. Is is yeah. not is n- honestly not a great basketball player, and Mobamba's shown glimpses of being a good center. And I think you put him in at center, you can move AD down to power forward, move LeBron down to small forward, and now you got yourself a much bigger lineup mm-hmm. than AD consistently playing the five. And he definitely can do that. Don't get me don't get me wrong, but I think you'd rather see him being able to, like I said with the reps, not have to be as physical of a presence and more kind of a roaming around and being able to step up and help type guy. Yeah. I think also par- probably good. Like he's had some injury issues to, to not put him in some of those like really tough physical situations. I agree. Um, in terms of like longevity. Yeah. Uh, the Suns pick up Darius Baisley, the Thunder get Dario Saric. Uh, there was a three team trade between the Warriors, Pistons and Hawks. This one's actually kind of uh, impactful. The Warriors got Kevin Knox, who's all right, in five second-round picks. The Pistons got James Wiseman, who has been struggling with injuries since the beginning of his career. But honestly, when he was a rookie, this is like two, three seasons ago, was looking really good on this Warriors team. That was when they had their really bad season of, like, no Clay Thompson, no Steph. Yeah. Uh, he was looking really good, and I think I'm glad to see him on this Pistons team who, with a starting lineup next year that could look like Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, uh, you got Isaiah Stewart at the four, you got Bogdanovich at the three, you got now James Wiseman at the five. I think that's maybe not a playoff team, but could slide into a 10 seat. Could You could see a play-in tournament from this Detroit Pistons team who have been struggling for a while now. Yep. And, and then the Hawks got Sadiq Bey. And... Sadiq Bay coming from the Pistons has been good this season. I think that's just another scoring option that the Hawks have. And I think that they they look with this addition they could look good coming into coming into the play in tournament. Yeah, I agree. We got the the Rockets getting John Wall back, who's been kinda off and on for the Clippers all season. Clippers get Eric Gordon, Grizzlies get Luke Kennard. And then the last trade I have here was this one. This one seems absolutely foolish to me. Uh, I don't know how the Hornets got fleeced, but the Hornets, I, I don't even know. This one's a, this one's a weird one. So the Hornets pick up Reggie Jackson, who, who is a good point guard for Mason Plumley, who's gets sent over to the Clippers and this 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 trade doesn't really make any sense to me because the Hornets already have guards in Lamelo Ball and Terry Rozier. I don't understand right. why they're take, picking up Reggie Jackson, who 
like I guess he's going to come off the bench for them because they're definitely he's definitely not better than either of those two guys. And then yeah. the Clippers pick up Mason Plumley for who is essentially the same person just like a different character customization as Ivan Zubats who's already <laughs> on the on the Clippers. Like they're just both right. tall white guys who can like rebound and dunk the basketball when put right under the net. Mason Plumley's had a good season. And I'd like to see this Clippers team do well, especially now that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard have been playing more. But I don't understand why you're getting rid of your starting point guard in Reggie Jackson. And from a Clippers, from a Hornets perspective, where they've had trouble with their like size down low all year, they're now picking up another guard and getting rid of Mason Plumlee, who's been solid for them. Is this trade didn't make any sense from either team? Honestly, I think it's a lose lose. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, like, the Hornets, you know, not a good team, not in any kind of contention. Um, yeah, the the depth thing is really bizarre. Maybe they're trying something new, you know, like, let them cook, I guess. <laughs> but I, I, I don't see how it's, how it's going to work. I think they're just going to get dominated in the paint. Um, you know, I, I, that, like I'm trying to say, if they, if they tried to work something out um, by, by putting, you know, Reggie Jackson into the starting five, like, uh, yeah, I I, I don't want to see how it's going to work, and I don't think that like you need that deeper sixth man when you're like one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah, it, it it's it was a weird trade. I don't understand why they're getting rid of Mason Plumley, who has been really solid as of late. The Clippers, I know you don't. I know Reggie Jackson's been kind of mid, but I don't understand why you're getting rid of your starting point guard when you're going to yeah. be your your playoff team this year. Feels like it should be a like for like trade. Yeah, I agree. I think I think ha- if the Clippers wanted to win this trade and wanted to make a serious playoff push, they don't pick up Mason Plumley. They try and aim for a Terry Rozier. They try and aim for a Lamella Ball. I know it's really steep. I know it's steep, but as we've seen with what the the Suns have just done for Kevin Durant, I think you give up some some first round picks. I think you give up maybe Reggie Jackson as well as some first round picks. You try and pick up Lamella Ball. And then you see LaMelo Ball with Paul George, Kawhi, Zubats, like I said, and and that's like a playoff championship contention roster. Yeah, I honestly, even I think that like it was bizarre. This just ran through my mind, but I was, like it's bizarre that the Raptors were a buying team um, this this trade deadline. Like why? I, I think that they could have been offered things for say like a Fred VanVleet and taken that not that they should have but they they could have been um and yeah like if the if the clippers were looking for maybe a more budget option than lamello ball you know why not look to try to entice freddy out of toronto like i I feel like that would have made more sense not necessarily more than the lamello ball thing but definitely more than picking up mason Plumley. yeah i i don't know what the clippers have got going on over there but uh that's that's been it for for what what's going on in the trade window. Let's uh let's quickly go over kind of what the playoff picture looks like and maybe give some some brief kind of bracket predictions here given the the update in the teams. All right. So, let's go over the East first. In uh in first right now we got actually we'll go through the play-in tournament so we can kind of decide what our 7th and 8th ranked teams are. Sure. So, sitting at number 7 right now, and we'll get home court advantage for the play-in tournament, playing against a number eight team. We got the Knicks, who are going to be playing in Madison Square Garden, against the Hawks. Yep. And that should like, sorry, go ahead. We we saw this matchup. I think it was last season. No, it was two seasons ago. I think in in the the plan or the, no, that was the bubble. It was definitely last season. We saw this matchup last season, and. This was a hell of a playing tournament. This was the everyone was chanting at Trey Young game. Everyone was screaming at him. He had a like a legacy game, and he gave him the bow. You remember that, right? Yeah, that was crazy. And honestly, I don't see it happening again. I think this Knicks team no. is a lot better than they were last season, with the addition of Jalen Brunson from the Mavericks over over the summer. I think they look good all year, especially at home. And this Hawks team has definitely struggled with some injuries, but it's just been really inconsistent for the names they have on paper. 
Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I thought what you were going with that this is going to be another banger. I was like, I don't think that, like, I think the Knicks will, will, will take that pretty handily. Um, yeah, for, for, yeah, basically those reasons. I think the Knicks are a better team this year. I think they have a little bit more scrap in them. Uh, we we know that, that Trey Young has been struggling a little bit more this season. So, and especially in, in MSG, that's going to be a tough, tough game for the Hawks or a tough matchup for the Hawks. And uh, and then in our nine versus ten game over in the Eastern Conference, we have Chicago versus Toronto. In Chicago, but in, uh, in Chicago, but, uh, I'm just gonna say I like, think I think the Raps take that game. I think so too. I was gonna say you you know with uh, with Portal, you never know. Yeah, I think he matches up well with with Vucevic, and I think that the Raps' defensive scheme matches up well against a guy like DeMar DeRozan, who's not really a shooter and more of like a mid-range kind of drive to the basket guy. And I think that works out really well for the length and defensive presence they have on this Raptors team. Uh, mm-hmm. Same thing for Zach Levine. I know he can shoot the ball, but he's always been a very athletic guy driving to the rim. And the Chicago team has not been great defensively. And I think for a Raptors team who has struggled, mostly, most of their struggles have come offensively they could see themselves put up a few extra buckets and, and edge out a game. Not not ridiculously, but by, you know, 8 to 10 points. Yeah. So that gives us our, our final matchup of the, the play-in tournament with Toronto in Atlanta for the 8th seed. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm biased. Maybe I'm biased, but, like... I, I don't see Toronto losing that game either. I know these are going to be two back-to-back road games, and they've struggled on the road all season. But mm-hmm. I really like the defense of this Raptors team. I really like the depth of this Raptors team. And again, against a Hawks team who doesn't have a great defense, I think you see it's it's the offense wins games, defense wins championships type mentality that I'm having. I think when you get to playoff basketball, you need to be able to keep a team under like 110 points. And I see the Raptors doing that against both of these, you know, offensive teams in the Hawks, in the Bulls. And I don't see either of those teams being able to keep up the same level of defensive pressure. Yeah, I agree. I think also, like, these are both kind of favorable matchups. Like, you don't have those, like, super ball-dominant, big physical, like, just absolute beasts of guys. Like, you know, it's not a Giannis. It's not a Joel Embiid. It's not a LeBron James um, on either of those teams. And and that's kind of where the Raptors struggle the most. Um, again, like adding a big guy is going to help with that. But against the Hawks uh, and the Bulls, it's not really as much of a concern. Um, and yeah, I think they they match up well defensively. Um, you know that the, all the all that like reaching in, uh, all like the steals that the Raptors like to get uh, against guys like DeRozan, um, like Trey Young. Uh, that that kind of have to create for themselves in order to be effective. I think that that could be a good matchup. Um, but again, the Raptors have been really inconsistent this season. Um, you know, in the head-to-head matchups with these teams, they've been, uh, I think they split both of those series. Uh, I don't know how many times they played the Hawks. I said the Bulls won uh, twice and they've won one, lost one. It's, I, I hesitate to be too optimistic. I, th- I like the matchup and I think that the Raptors can win those games. But again, They've been pretty inconsistent, mostly just just offensively. Um, and so, if they can keep themselves in these games defensively, which they have shown the ability to do, then they should be fine. But you never know, right? Yeah, I agree. And so we'll continue through the Raptors' playoff bracket here because they would be the eight seed, so they're going to be playing against the number one seeded Boston Celtics. Raptors take it. Down. No, Boston absolutely shits on us. Unfortunately, yeah, that's really unfortunate. I think, I think <laughs> it's uh, I think it's a little bit different situation if the Raptors had the home court advantage, um, to get those those first two games underway. But having played in the play in tournament and you know not have had as much rest or film time against Boston as like Boston will have towards them who have seen them play now two play in tournament games. I think Boston comes yeah. out, wins both of those first two play-in tournament games, maybe drops one on the road, uh, and but then picks up a third one in Toronto and wins this series 4-1. Yeah, I kind of think that too. Um, 
you know, maybe a 4-2. I, I can maybe say, I mean, the Raptors at home have been better. Um, and, you know, as we know, like the support in Toronto, like people just love the Raptors right now. Um, you know, I'd say that we're still kind of riding on a high after the championship, right? Like we're okay being kind of mid right now. Um, you know, maybe, maybe Boston comes to Toronto and loses a couple of games, but definitely away from home, I think the Raps are going to struggle to to take any of those games. So I could definitely see a 4-1, maybe a 4-2, but yeah, yeah, not, not, not a win. I agree. And then, so we got our two versus seven matchup is Milwaukee versus the Knicks. Bucks should win that. I think this is. I, I agree. I think this could be a tighter, a tighter matchup. See, I don't think so. I think this is kind of. No. Kind of, I think this is kind of the same thing. I think what you got here is is a really bad matchup for the Knicks, given that Julius Randle, who's the Knicks' best player, is going to be guarded by Giannis, mm. uh, and I think he's going to really struggle to produce. And then their secondary option being Jalen Brunson. It's going to be guarded by Drew Holiday, who's also a good defensive guard. They're not going to have home court advantage, which we've seen them struggle on the road too, like the Raptors. I think this series turns out really similarly. Milwaukee gets the extra rest. They get the extra uh, video time to watch. I think this this matchup ends up the same, 4-1, 4-2. Yeah. I think I'm leaning more towards a 4-2. I think the, the Knicks could take a game on the road. Um, I definitely agree that like the matchup is, is not great. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like the, the Knicks have shown um, a little bit of the the, the capability um, to like work around some, some of those problems. I mean, they have uh, some of the depth scoring um, in R.J. Barrett. Uh, like even, you know, quickly Grimes, they have the ability to put up points. And, and so I, I do think that, that it, it's going to be not close if the Knicks can't play good defense. But if they can play good defense, then, uh, yeah, this could be closer. But, I, I, yeah, I, I'm not leaning towards like a 4-3 game seven. I'm thinking like it's going to be maybe a 4-2. Yeah, and I'm just going back through through the, the record this season, and the Knicks have lost all three of their games to the Bucks. Yeah. All right, so then our our three versus six matchup is uh, Philly versus Miami. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna give this to I, Philly. I, I'm gonna go Philly. Philly and seven is is what I'm gonna say. Yeah, Philly six seven somewhere in there. We always see a Jimmy Butler masterclass over the playoffs, but uh, yeah, this Philly team looks really good this season with. James Harden playing well, Tyrese Maxey playing well, and hopefully we can see Joel Embiid healthy come playoff time. I think Bam Adebayo will, you know, make it a competitive matchup with Joel Embiid, but uh, still just give me give me Philly. Yeah. And then our last Eastern Conference first round matchup is uh, Cleveland versus Brooklyn. We have definitely at least two things to talk about here. The first one being, we can talk about this, but are the Nets even going to be up there by the time the playoffs come around? No, that's what, that's the first thing I was going to say was, you know, yeah. we could definitely, I mean, they did, they're just, they're, they just beat Chicago last night with, without yeah. even Mikhail Bridges. He wasn't even there. Uh, yeah. I think, I think this, this Brooklyn team isn't going to be as bad as people think they are. I think they're going to still... No, I don't think so. I either. think they're still going to stay in the playoffs, uh, if not the play-in tournament. Uh, they'll be like one of the top seed teams in the playoff tournament, like a 7-8 seed. But uh, mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to finish in a 5 seed. However, just for the sake of where we are currently, <clears throat> I think they I think they get rolled by Cleveland. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think this is a 4-1. I think that they could take a game. You know, we've seen the Cam Thomas rap masterclass recently, and I think in the playoffs, a, a guy who's inexperienced like him definitely is not going to come out and put up 40 at night, but uh, I think we could see a 40-point a game from him in one of those playoff games, the Cleveland Cavaliers being uh, like the first-ranked defense in the NBA. It's definitely going to be tough, but uh, I think I think they'll take a game. You know, it's so hard to sweep an NBA team. 
Yeah, I agree. I think if there was a sweep and and this was what the matchup looked like, if there if there if I had to say that there was going to be a sweep, I would pick this matchup. Um, but the Nets, yeah, I don't think are as bad as people, you know, potentially think they could be. And uh, yeah, I think that the the possibility of Cam Thomas putting up forty points is absolutely there. Um, depending on how we see guys sort of fit in in Brooklyn, we could see some more chemistry. But yeah. Just keep the, I feel like even the Cavaliers being in fourth right now is, is not necessarily like a detriment to them so much as, um, you know, the 76ers, Bucks, and Celtics being in really strong positions right now. So Yeah, and they've struggled with a lot of injuries throughout the season too. You know, Donovan Mitchell's been on and off. Darius Garland's missed games. Jared Allen's missed games. I think this team, this yeah. team comes in healthy, and I think they could make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let's move over to the West, and in the play-in tournament, we got uh, the Pelicans versus the Timberwolves. I I don't think this game's going to be close, especially with the loss of D'Lo and, yeah. and the, the health issues of Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. Anthony Edwards is really good, but uh, I don't, I just don't think that they have it in them to, to beat this Pelicans team. Hopefully, we can see Zion on this Pelicans team come playoffs. We haven't seen Zion in a playoff series yet. But uh, Pelicans, I don't think they have any trouble with Minnesota, especially not at home. Yep. No, I agree. Uh, the 9-10 game is the Warriors versus the Trailblazers. Uh, again, it's, it's, it's all going to come down It's all gonna come down to health. But uh, yeah, yeah. Give, me, give me the Warriors. And this Western Conference, I don't think, like, we'll definitely not be seeing what I have in front of me here. These matchups, yeah, yeah no. Come, come down to it, just given the tightness of that. Because I have written down here, at our 11 spot, we got Utah, who we talked about with the addition of Russell Westbrook and also just being good all season. In yep. the 12 spot, we got Oklahoma City, who has also kind of been good this season with, with Shea, with yep. Josh Giddy. And then yeah. and not, not messing around too much with the trade deadline either, like just staying consistent. And then in the 13 spot, and only out of the play-in tournament by, I think, like two games, is the Lakers. Yeah. Think should be in the play-in tournament. I don't know. I I'd be surprised if they weren't. I'd be disappointed if they weren't. Yeah. No, I agree. So then we got uh, our play-in game for eighth seed is going to be the Timberwolves versus the Warriors. Give me the Warriors again. Yep. All right. Then let's move on to the first round here. We got uh, we got Denver versus who would be the Golden State Warriors. This, I think, would be a Got really it. interesting series. Yeah? Uh, if only, like, I recognize that we're going to see Jokic come out and dominate the Warriors who don't really have a big man and have been struggling with that all season. But uh, we've seen the playoff caliber from this Warriors team in recent seasons. Uh, they just won a championship last year with a very similar-looking squad. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I, I think that it's going to be a defensive question to me. I mean, how how are you going to stop the Denver Nuggets? The Warriors are not a defensive team, and I feel like the, the Nuggets have that advantage that they potentially can make some of those stops happen, and that can be enough to swing that series. I mean, how are you going to stop the Warriors, though? Like, you can't you can't hate on the Warriors when you got Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond. You got Jordan Poole coming off the bench. It this is it's still okay. a really good team. It's still the same championship team we saw last year, and I think they're just they've struggled with with games with with Steph being out for games, and and Clay being out for games. I think that we haven't seen them at the peak of their power yet. Yeah, I can see that happening. I I just think that uh, that yeah, the Nuggets have have just a, a slightly better defense. I don't think that it's like. Like I think the Warriors have have a great offense, um, but the Warriors don't have a great defense. Nuggets have a great offense and an okay defense. To me, that 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 addition makes more sense from the Nuggets side. Yeah, no, I think the Nuggets come out of this series, but I I think it's going to be really close, and I think it would be yeah. it would be a down to the wire four two or potentially a game seven, uh, four three in the Nuggets' favor, winning at home. Yeah, I can see that absolutely. Um, we got our two versus seven matchup with the, which is Memphis versus the Pelicans. 
Memphis has been really good. Jean Morant's been really good. But I think this game comes down to one X factor, and that is Zion Williamson. I think these teams yeah. match up really similarly. You got Brandon Ingram uh, matching up with Desmond Bain. You got Valanciunas matching up with Steven Adams. I think, and, and then I think you just need that addition of Zion to match up with Jaron Jackson Jr. And I think this series would be really fun to watch. Yeah, I agree. But uh, and and I think with Zion, honestly, I could see this Pelicans team pulling off the upset and and taking down the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, I think I think with 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 Zion Williamson, not in masterclass, but with with him playing up to his potential, I could definitely see that happening. I agree. I agree. Uh, our three versus six matchup is Sacramento versus Phoenix. I'm really sorry for you, Sacramento. You've played great all season. You've gotten yourself to a healthy third place in the West, but uh, that's that's unfortunate. Yeah, and again, I don't even think the Suns are going to be in the six come the playoff. Um, we talked about them. They're just they should shoot up the standings. I think. Yeah, this is a sixth place Phoenix team with like their entire starting lineup out for almost ten games this season. Yeah. And then the last matchup we'll go over here, we won't go like deep into the playoffs, but we'll go over this last first-round matchup, which is uh, Dallas versus the Clippers. Give me Dallas. Honestly, I think... Give me Dallas in, like, six. This, this game sounds a bit... Of, this, this series sounds like a bit of a snore fest to me. Uh, these are both, like, some more defensive-minded teams. You have You have entertainment in Kawhi and Paul George, but also just, like, you know... They're very two-way guys. They're not known for their scoring, really. Like, they can score the basketball, but they're known for just being really good basketball players. And I think you see the same thing on, on Dallas, where I, I find the Dallas team really boring to watch. And I, I recognize that Luka does crazy things, but he is slow. Yeah. He is slow, and he puts on the Luka magic. And I think maybe Kyrie changes this up and adds a bit of excitement to this team. But uh, I agree. I think Dallas comes out of that that match of winning. I don't think I, I know you have Paul George. I know you have Kawhi to to like do your best to guard both of these guys. But I think this this is a this is an offensive powerhouse now on Dallas. Yeah, I agree, and I I I think that that's the tipping point is is Kyrie, the addition of Kyrie. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, he is you know, good in their locker room. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> I agree. I mean, he had a good first game with them uh, earlier this week. Yeah. I think he put up 20-something points. Uh, no, Luca was there, but I think they're going to have their first game together soon. Um, Luca coming back off of some minor injuries. But uh, I'm excited to see what this, what what these teams, you know, have to have to show us. I agree. Alrighty then, and uh, and and with that, I think that's that's all we're gonna cover in today's episode. So uh, we'll see you next time. Yes, sir. Let's go.